Welcome to the second hour of Love Baths Love Talk. I'm delighted this morning because I'm talking to the folks who have, who have created a new musical called Shimmer. So let me tell you who's up. Y'all unmute yourselves so we can get into this conversation. So I've got Pulitzer Prize winning composer and uh, Shimmer uh, librettist Anthony Davis. Good morning, Mr. Davis. You're like the third Anthony Davis I know in my life. Uh and then Guggenheim fellow playwright and Shimmer author, uh, Sarah Schulman. Good morning, Sarah. Hey, hi. And CEO Midnight Oil Collective, Francis Pollock. So, all right. So what did y'all do? Walk into a bar and say, you know what? You know what we should do? We should make a musical, a social justice musical with all the parts. And then we're going to set it back in like the early pre-60s civil rights. And then we're going to push it toward today and then we're going to add music so tell me what how did y'all come up with this and and how long did it take y'all to come together and create this body of work well while anthony is unmuting i'll start um so i wrote a novel called shimmer that came out in 1998 and anthony and i and the lyricist michael corey all met at the mcdowell colony which is an incredible place that supports artists and, um, you know, Anthony and Michael and I were talking and he had a really personal connection to the blacklist. Uh, Tony, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, my my father uh, was uh, he was involved in the, and on the blacklist in the in the 50s. And um, he was the first black professor at Princeton University. And then uh, uh, he had to leave Princeton, went to Penn State um, and he was he had to testify. Uh, at Remington's trial, who was arrested as a spy, and so so we had a lot of <laughs> a lot of, growing up. I had a, a lot of interaction with uh, knowing knowing about what was going on in, in the political world. You know, so the idea of Shimmer is to look back at this classic American period, New York City, right after World War II. It's the uh, American dream, American dream, and all this propaganda about all this opportunity, but that was only true for some people. And our two protagonists, um, a black playwright named Cal and a white gay writer named Sylvia, they're trying to get the American dream too, but they can't get it. And the blacklist is coming down. And what it really reveals is that there's two kinds of blacklists. There's once you get into the system, then you get kicked out. There's that blacklist for your ideology and your beliefs. And then there's the people who can never get into the system in the first place because who they are, what, what they represent is so unacceptable. So that is the framework of this. And we've worked on this musical now for 20 years. Oh, my yeah, God. 20 years, yeah. I we've knew it was a long time, but I wasn't quite sure tw- 20 years. So we faced so did a lot you, of opposition. Sarah, did you always know it was going to be a musical or when did the music get added? <laughs> From the beginning. From the beginning. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And in the music, I tried to capture the, a little bit of the time period, like 1947, late 40s music, you know, uh, that sort of beginning of R&B and also, you know, the kind of jazz era. So everything from... Ellington and Strayhorn to uh, you know emergence of stars like Nat King Cole and and then then going into early R and B you know so the music has that kind of flavor in a way it's a kind of a variation always all these variations on the blues yeah wow. everyone sings their own blues in different ways I mean, part, I saw- of, the, part of the opposition that we face to this project has a lot to do with the fact that Tony's music is real music. It's not pop music. It's not pastiche. And, you know, 
the theater has been divided into these false categories of black musical and white musical. And this is neither and both. And also we don't have a white male protagonist. Plus we have adult lesbian content, which is something that the theater has repressed forever. They're just not permissible. So all these factors have made it so hard for us to break through. And the only reason we could get this workshop at Yale is because of this new entity, Midnight Oil Collective, that's run by two young women there who are helping us bring this music forward finally. Mm. Yes. So, Francis, talk about the Midnight Oil uh, uh, Collective. Collective. Yeah, so uh, Midnight Oil Collective, I'm a um, composer who has also tried to mount work uh, throughout the years. Um, and a lot of the work that I'm particularly drawn to is work that is daring and edgy and um, is really going to speak to today and the things that people really care about. And after, you know, being in the industry for 15 years and just seeing that none of the really nuanced, like very dynamic new work was getting an opportunity, I wanted to create a space in which artists could advocate for their best work. And this was the work that was oftentimes just sort of being passed over by studios and um, uh, people who were greenlighting projects because it wasn't coming from the artists themselves. It was always coming from other people with other agendas. And so the Midnight Oil Collective is a collective of artists that are um, coming together, bringing their best, most daring, most dynamic work and raising uh, our own money to fund the projects. And, you know, when we're talking about funding a musical like Shimmer, something that is ultimately kind of pre-Broadway and uh, headed in like this really like um, uh, big pro- uh, uh, down this big projection, um, you're talking about having to raise money in the in the millions of dollars. And it's great because by coming together, even um, if like, you know, certain pieces aren't for everyone, the idea of collectivizing and um, and raising money across a bunch of a portfolio of diverse projects allows us to be more risky and be more dynamic and be like more fully our artistic selves. Mm. So, Sarah, this took 20 years, Sarah, and it took 20 years. And uh, do you think it's ready now? I mean, do you think the world is ready for the telling of this story? Well, even 20 years later, we're still ahead of the curve. (laughs) But there is a recognition now that there's other people in the world besides white men and that our stories are the classic and emblematic American stories. So we're hoping that this will open the doors for us a little bit. Mm -hmm. So, so Anthony, oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, you created music. You created music for this because music is so much a part of everybody's soundtrack, right? And exactly. so you uh, a musical just makes sense because a music music can tell a can can round out a story in ways that just dialogue can't. Right. And it also creates time and place. It puts it puts it's kind of former tra- time travel. But also, you know, I think that this piece is really interesting because we're now going through a phase, well, a political phase with, you know, people like DeSantis and Trump that, you know, uh, the idea of the Red Scare, you know, the when, when people were harassed for their points of view and, and the, the harassment we see in Florida, for example, I mean, it's very real. It's a story that was pertinent about 1947, the late 40s. It, we, we see those, those same threats today. And, mm. and so that so that that the world has come around to the fact that you know we and we and we confront some of the same same obstacles and the same forces today that 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 they had to confront then. Mm. 
So does that make this play timely? Like, I, did you did you want it to feel timely? Did you want it to feel like, uh, although we're talking about 1950s, we're really talking about 2023. Did you did you intend for that to be the the, the yeah, vibe? Yeah, de- definitely, definitely. You know, and because uh, I think, and 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 for me, it's there's this, this nostalgic element is that. What I'm, what I'm hearing in my head, and I think we all hear, I'm hearing the music of my parents in my head, you know, when I was writing this piece. And so it was kind of reflecting on my, the music of my parents, what I heard growing up. And then, then also, uh, and that, and that they're also thinking of that, about the political situation today, you know, the, you know, band, where you see books, books banned, you know, and you see, yeah, and people, people being, being uh, excluded. You know, uh, I think this musical has a lot to say about that. Mm. So, so Sarah, you wrote this book called Shimmer, which you know probably would be absolutely on the band list, probably at the top of the band list. <laughs> well, you know, there's two kinds of band books, right? There's books that get published and have enough juice behind them for the other people to notice them, to ban them. And then there's the books that never get published that are excluded from publication in the first place. So there's always like elite censorship. And then there's like systemic censorship. You know, one of the things we say about Shimmer is some people get on the blacklist, some people are black, you know, and it, and, and that this is a real dichotomy. Mm. So tell me about the title. Well, it's all about New York in the 40s, you know, like I'm sure you've seen those images of Times Square with all the marquees and all the neon. And there's a shimmer to New York City, you know, it's so people still come to New York to make their dreams come true. You know, now they have to step over the rats to do it, but um, it's still a place of incredible potential and uh, people with ideas come there and they're willing to go through the hardships of living there because they're driven by something bigger. Yeah. So talk to me about the workshop process because it's you. The intent is to take this to Broadway, right? Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. So I want to I want to jump in and speak to this. Um, one of the best uh, parts of um, doing work with uh, entities like Yale and like with um, community partners like Long Wharf is that this is a big collaboration um, throughout New Haven. And um, this is a 21 person cast. This is insane. So like, not only is the material like dynamic, you know, um, and challenging and um, gritty in all the right ways, but also the production aspects of aligning all of these people, getting all of these people together in the room to do a workshop has been um, a real exciting challenge. And the the exciting thing about doing this in New Haven is that New Haven has a history of um, uh, germinating some of our favorite musicals that are still part of like the American repertoire. So you think about all of the things that have been um, workshopped and incubated at the Schubert Theater. You're talking about um, the Oklahoma, you're talking about Sound of Music, you're talking about The King and I. These are things, these are pieces of um, musical history that we still think about. And, you know, the impetus in um, doing a work uh, like Shimmer in New Haven is to help revitalize that tradition, which is really great. And it's been this wonderful collaboration between um, Yale Schwarzman Center, the Yale Ventures Innovation Summit, and community partners like Long Wharf. Mm. And so speaking of this giant cast, the majority of the folks are going to be from New Haven, or or a good portion of the folks are going to be, was that deliberate? Was that intentional? What, What was the thinking? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is the the talent in this city is overwhelming, right? Um, the ability for us to pull from um, you know, the people who live here in the city who are able to participate, who are able to like come in and add their voices is um just really unprecedented. And so we're combining the forces of, you know, New Haven residents with um Yale Yale undergraduates. Yale grad students, Yale faculty members, and um, just being able to show up uh, over two weeks together to create this um, really incredible opportunity. Oh, I, I, I'm excited by this because uh, I, I love all the partners. I mean, I love all the partners in this. So it sounds like it's a, a, a chaotic, but good chaotic stuff. Do you know what I mean? Bringing all these folks together and get everybody on one page. So, yeah, so right. Anthony, when you're the librettist, what, is, what does that mean? I, I'm not really the librettist. Michael Corey is the lyricist. I, I, I write the music. So, so, oh. I, 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 so, so, so don't ever put libretto next, next to my name. It's one of my things. I, I, I like other people to do that because if I did it, it would be a different thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, so you do the music and, and. Uh, are you walking with this music in you? Like, how do you how do you sort of say, okay, I hear something for this particular piece of the story. I hear something for this piece of the story. What's your process? All the time. I mean, I hear it hear it in my head. I hear music in my head, and then I just sometimes I feel that when I'm composing, I'm really transcribing. And so, do you walk with a pen and paper with you all the time? Like, do you keep uh, notes not, at where not, you go? <laughs> not necessarily, but yeah, not, not, I, I, some people do that. But I, I just, I, I try to. If it's good, 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 usually I remember it. <laughs> you know, so when it's a time to write it down. And so, for me, so, it's, it's uh, go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, for me, it's all nostalgia come back because because I lived in New Haven from '69 to '77. When I first came to New Haven, it was the Bobby Seal trial. Oh man! And I, I was I, and I was a mo- I was a monitor for the Black Panthers. <laughs> you know, I was out there in the green trying to <laughs> trying to help so the demonstrators don't didn't get killed by the National Guard. So so it's it's really it's really fun for me to be back in New Haven because it's sort of the beginning of how I became a musician and composer. So mm-hmm. and and does it feel very different? Like do you feel like when you're on the green and when you're in New Haven now? Um, does it does it feel far away from that particular no, it time? It doesn't feel that different. There's some new things. There's some different things, but it, it you know the Yale Yale's been here a long time, and it, and it and it's been it's been a great place to develop, you know, to develop your ideas, you know, you know, to, to to become an artist. And I think you know you 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 see that with Francis too. You know, it's like like you know people come here to because they want to. They they have ambition and they want to be able to uh, to get to the next level and so, and then you take your ideas uh, out of from New Haven to other places. So the the of developing a mu- musicals that history, but but also developing artists. New Haven has an incredible history for that. Yeah, mm. it's something that we've just recognized, and you know I think it's being more and more nationally recognized as well. You know, with the New York Times calling out New Haven as one of the top places to be because of its art and architecture. I mean, that should make us so proud, you know, like we we have this we we are set up to be a a cultural hub that everyone kind of across the country, really across the world gets to recognize is that like great art 
starts here. Great art thrives here. Mm-hmm. And Shimmer is just one example of that artistic impulse um, happening in the city. I, I, I love this concept so much because you know, Francis, and you too, Anthony, um, that the American theater is reckoning with itself. It's mm-hmm. reckoning with itself around equity and inclusion. You know, Broadway it, for the last season or so has been very black, like black stuff has shown up, black and queer stuff has shown up. Um, yeah. And so, but but the American theater order, audience is is being is being challenged because uh, there's a little bit of pushback because it used to be very old and white. It's still kind of old and white, but that population is is going to be shrinking. And 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 theaters are wrestling with how do we how do we tell different stories, same stories, new audience, current audiences. How do we how do we find our our way through all of that? And I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. I, well, so, go ahead, Francis. <laughs> and I'm gonna I'm gonna kick it over to you, Tony, because I know you've got uh, incredible perspective on this. But for me, you know, we're at an inflection point. You know, you're seeing, um, you know, we came out of the pandemic and the murder of George Floyd, you know, with such passion about fixing these systemic issues. But all we've done so far <clears throat> is open up the conversation. Because really what we have to do is we have to examine kind of everything that Sarah was talking about. It's like, who whose voice do we actually get to hear and why? And because of that, it's not going to just be a um, re-examination of the types of stories we program, but it's going to be a re-examination of the financial structures with which um, we compensate artists, the um, ways in which we program um, our relationship to the work itself and who owns it. And we're perfectly primed to do that at this point. Um, And it's like you said, uh, Babs, it's going to be such a um, it's going to have to take uh, be such an intentional conversation if we're actually going to make meaningful systemic change. And I think that we're set up to do it. Now we'll just see if we can actually follow through and make that conversation happen. Mm. You know, but Anthony, I want to kick it over to you because I know you have lots of thoughts about, um, especially with your uh, with your opera X going up in the Met this next year, an opera that yeah. uh, you wrote when 1986. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My opera X, A Life of Time to Malcolm X, is going to be at the open at the Met November 3rd. Oh my and, God, uh, I need to get tickets. Can you hook me up? I want to go. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it will be eight performances between November and, and November, December. And, uh, um, that's very exciting, and and you know about Mal- what Malcolm X means to the black community, what he means, uh, to the yeah, world. and 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 to bring that on stage at the Met, I think is you know that that's that's uh, I think a dynamic thing. You know, it's uh, I mean we people in the movement, you know, you can't imagine Black Lives Matter without Malcolm X. <laughs> you know, you know, Malcolm X set the stage for for all you know a lot of the political thought of of, of today. And uh, so that that that's that that's very exciting. And I I always felt my music is always related to political topics. It's something that's been part of part of my my musical approach is because I think that mu- music sometimes is uh, is 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 ca- can be created at the at the. It's also the, where where culture collides too. Yes, you know, the, exactly. so, yeah, Shimmer is where the white musical. Musical of like Sondheim, let's say Bernstein, that tradition collides with the black musical. They come it's together. Fun. 
believable. And like in a world in which art uh, influences culture and culture dictates policy, a musical like Shimmer is so necessary at this point, you know, because it challenges everything. It challenges, you know, the story challenges our perception of history. The music, the music challenges the perception of what a musical is, you know, and like it's just such a perfect um, example of what art can do and speak to uh, today. Mm. So, Francis, do you do you concern yourself with getting it to Broadway? I mean, is that is that the ultimate is that the ultimate measure of success if it gets to Broadway? The ultimate measure. Is, see, here's the thing: is that I think that this show is going to speak so profoundly to Gen Z. I think that it's a musical set in 1940 with luminary um, authors who are, you know, just in their 60s and 70s. And I think it is going to be gripping to people who are in their 20s today because of how prescient it feels and how much it feels like, um, you know, people want to engage with exactly these topics. So, I mean, Broadway is one step, but as we had just discussed, you know, like Broadway has its own issues. And so after this workshop, what I see is this dynamic social media campaign in which we really get to introduce new audiences to this music and to a musical in a medium that they feel very comfortable with. Mm. So this is something that we can like take to Broadway Shore and like will be very exciting, but we can tour it all over the country, all over the world. We can take it apart. We can we can make an album. We can put it on social media. And I'm I'm very committed to engaging with all forms of uh, audiences interacting with this piece. So when you when you when you want to move this out of the workshop workshop stage, do do you have to attach big names to it? Like, how do you get people to notice it to 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 see it? Is or or do you concern yourself with that part? It's just like you know, where where do you where do you be, I know where you begin. Where do you end? Yeah, definitely. So there's there's uh, conventional ways to do it, which would be to line up a production at an enhancement theater, you know, and really like put it on its feet. Because again, this workshop is really just singers in front of um, stands right now. And so we do need to put like the lights and the sets and the costumes <laughs> with it, right, for its next step. Um, and so like the traditionally what that would look like is you put it, you attach or you um, line up a production at an enhancement theater, you line up a commercial producer who's like thinking about all these things, like how do you take it to Broadway? How do you put it on tour? And then after that, after that enhancement step, it would um, find its way to Broadway. Mm, um, yeah. And so like those are kind of the big names that we're we're interested in courting right now. Okay. So Anthony, when you, when you, you, so I, I imagine you sit in on the workshops, you're at the workshops and you're fine tuning, moving stuff around and playing with stuff and adding stuff. Is that, is that exciting? Is that stressful? What, what is that like? All the above. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's great. No, it's great. It's great. And I think, you know, we, and also to make it theater, how, you know, you know, take it and, you have music, but then and and you have words, you have dialogue, but how does it hang together as theater? And how do you best tell the story? I mean, that's always that's always the bottom line. And we're we're working with a fabulous director, uh, Jess McLeod, who's incredible. Uh, and uh, so we, it's a real collaboration. Yeah, and something you know, sometimes there's stress stress points uh, that happens. You know, we all have different ideas. We're, we're all strong personalities. So it's not <laughs> that that's part of the that's part of the interesting thing. And, and I think that but out of it, you know, comes it's it's ideas come out of those those sessions and those and those uh, those discussions. And but we're all on this. We all want the same thing. We want, all want the piece to, to, to tell the story 
and to 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 be present and to be to be as powerful as it can be. So, so Francis, doing do, doing the Midnight Oil Collective is this your first big project, or have y'all been doing projects? And and you know, like what what's the history? Yeah, so um, the collective is three years old, um, and we have uh, we've invested. So it's a it's an investment uh, system. You know, we we like uh, link ourselves together through um, you know contributing a part of our project to a collective fund. And what's so brilliant about this is that, for instance, if, um, you know, Shimmer takes off and it becomes, you know, Hamilton, right, then um, by connecting it to the community, we, um, part of that profit goes back to the community. So even projects that don't find the same success, ultimately those artists will not uh, face the same economic realities of trying to push their work out there by themselves, right? So like the whole idea is like feed the starving artists, make sure that everyone has enough, make sure there's enough resource, economic resource to go around. Um, we've made uh, investments into 10 projects at this point, which means that there are 10 me- members officially associated with the collectives. And it's everyone from musical theater writers like Anthony and Sarah to filmmakers, to people writing for TV, to um, people who are uh, doing like disruptive um, companies that are helping artists, you know, get their work out there. And it's an incredible um, way to build a community because we're building an ecosystem in which we're all supporting each other. Mm-hmm. You know? And so again, like if, a, um, if you know, Shimmer is not uh, for everyone, it doesn't matter because there is ultimately in our portfolio something for everyone. Mm. So, yeah. so, so Anthony, uh, it, you're working on this project. You got Opera X coming. Uh, what, what else you got going on? Because you, you seem quite busy. And is yeah, Opera X ready to go? Like, you're not still tinkering with it, are you? Oh, yeah, we're still tinkering. You always tinker. <laughs> in fact, in fact, my working, I'm working with the director Robert O'Hara on on, on uh, X and and we have rehearse we have dance rehearsals in two in June in the middle in two weeks. So I so I have to go there and I know that that's gonna that's changing. It's gonna be we did we did a production at Detroit Opera and uh, Opera Omaha before. In, in preparation for the Met, but the Met's a whole nother thing. It's a bigger thing. Yeah, it's, and, a big, uh, it's the it's the it's the Oscars of of production yeah. houses, right? Like, <laughs> and we have we have an Afro futurist approach to the opera. So I'll, oh! I'll just say that. So, the, so the, the, this is going to be some this this good. And I ha- I had to had to put something in the opera that suggests the Afro futurist aspect. So, so I love I, that. I have that. That's a big so, deal right now. Like yeah, people are no. talking about that in the like black people are going to be in the future. Like we going to be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And uh, yeah. And the future I, I, I'm, I'm doing a, a, another opera, a children's opera called Poncho Rabbit and the Coyote. That's about, about, uh, uh, about the border. I live in California. So it's very, we, we were talking about the, you know, the, the migrant, migrant workers and my, and, and immigration and the, and the wall. Uh, but but in the context of all animal characters and kind of a children's opera, but it, in a way, it's kind of like Animal Farm or something like that. Mm. <laughs> okay, so um, I, I I love the fact that uh, I'm going to be talking to some folks tomorrow about Shimmer, um, which I'm excited that this is a two part conversation because I often find uh, that I I you know there's more to talk about from other perspectives and other parts of this moving big piece, but. Uh, 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 right, Francis, tell me, uh, what what is the most exciting thing about this? Like, what 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 
get you up in the morning about this particular piece? I want to see how, um, I want to see what it does in the world. You know, I want to see who is excited by it. I want to see who is challenged by it. You know, I want to see like what type of, um, what type of waves it starts to make. Um, I think it's already, um, because it is such a fusion of um, politics and different music ideas and challenging the genre of musical theater, like it's already stretching us a lot. But because of that, all of a sudden you're seeing a potential that hasn't been there before. And I think that as audiences start to engage it, what you're going to see is people being challenged and being asked to really see the world in a different way. And it's so New York. I mean, I think that's what's so brilliant about this piece is that you're going to you're going to start to um, see people ask questions about places and spaces that I think that we have very codified narratives around. And so I, as um, someone who's had like a hand in the production of this, is am so excited to see where people get excited, where people are frustrated and kind of start to engage in those conversations very publicly. Mm. So, so Anthony, when people engage you to write, write some music and, and I'm, and I know that's not an easy thing. Cause I'm sure you're not that accessible. Like I can't call you up and say, you know what, can I have a piece of music for something? So I know that doesn't happen that way, but when, but when somebody seriously wants your, your time and attention, do they send you a book? Do they send you a script? Like, how, how do they get you involved? Yeah, sometimes they do. That's, they, that's what they did. When I did Central Park Five, uh, it, it was funny. I was I talking with this company about another project, and they asked me to read this script to see if I could recommend a, com- a composer to to write music for this, this you know, with this libretto. And the libretto, libretto was, uh, so I got this libretto for Richard Wesley, that was uh, Central Park Five, the first draft of that. And so I read it and I, so I went back to the producer and I said, I want to do it. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, because you know, it so spoke to the joke to me. I said, you know, this, this is this subject, this subject matter is, is right. It should be to be told. It's something that's really important. You know, mm. so so, um, yeah. So I ended up being, you know, this the opera Central Park Five. I love it. I so appreciate y'all taking the time to talk to me this morning. This this is such a, one, it was fun. And two, very, very exciting. I'm going to be there for the workshop, be in the space. So I can't wait. First of all, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a musical junkie. So I, I like a good musical. And then you add in all the parts that y'all added. I, 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 that alone makes me excited to see it. Just, just how you, you know, all the social justice stuff and all that. I was like, oh, how did it how was I gonna do? I want to see this now, so so I'm excited. Well, come, so thank come you both. Hello, come say hello. I absolutely will, Mr. Davis, and I absolutely will, Miss Pollock. I appreciate y'all for spending the time with me this morning. Yes, thank you so thank much. You. And we're going to so see much. you again tomorrow, so we we look forward to continuing the conversation. Yes, <laughs> what conversation tomorrow? <laughs> oh, great! I look forward to it. So thank y'all. Enjoy the rest of your day, okay. and well, I'll see you. some of y'all tomorrow. So thank y'all. Bye. 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 So, all right, Nora, thank you for riding shotgun. Um, Harry, get some rest. Take it easy. Stay off your feet or get on your feet uh, and do all the right things. Thank you, Paul, for a great word on the street. I'll be back tomorrow with more from Shimmer. I'm excited. I hope you are, too. All right, y'all. I'll see you later. Yeah. Yeah.